You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech, where our favorite type of live streaming concert is the one that takes place as a hologram in the palm of your hand, where we put on personal jetpacks before we stage dive in a Minecraft festival, and where whenever we put on a conference, fires break out worldwide. Now available in a proprietary new recipe, the Live from a Pandemic Flavor. That's right, the Music Tectonics Conference is going online October 27th and 28th, 2020. And here at the podcast, we dive into the seismic shifts taking place across music. And as we approach the October online conference, we want to give you a sense of what's in store. And today we're going to take a deep dive into a music tech perspective on what's happening in live music. It could be a very short episode, but it won't be because we have an awesome guest who's in the in the front row of how live music is evolving. Welcome VP of Business Operations at Prism.fm, Juan Torres. How's Austin today, Juan? Austin is pretty nice, sunny and clear, usually how it is. Well, at least you've got good weather. Um, before we get into what your company, Prism.fm, does, we have to address the elephant in the room. The live music scene is facing its worst crisis in decades, and you guys are at the center of what's going on, working with tons of promoters and venues. Being in Austin, how are people in your client community coping right now? Uh, you know, it's kind of tough, and, and it's different across the whole country, but the venues we work with and the promoters that work in those venues have been shut down for almost six months to the day. Um, and a lot of them are, are just struggling to hold on to their business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what kinds of things are you seeing? Uh, we have a lot of people that are sort of pivoting and trying to do live streams. We've got people doing drive-ins. Uh, but the big thing that everyone is hanging their hat on is hoping for some aid from Congress, which um, Neva is working on through the Save Our Stages Act. Right. Neva is the, uh, it's, uh, it's the National Independent Venue Association, if people want to check that out on, on, uh, you know, online and, and see what's going on there. I know they're, they're lobbying for, for aid and raising awareness about how, just how tough it's, it's been. What are you seeing in Austin in terms of what's going on with venues there? Yeah, the Austin music scene has been hit pretty hard. Um, unfortunately, you know, known as the live music capital of the world, we were headed into the busiest week of the year for these venues with South by Southwest and the complete halt sort of wiped out the revenue for a lot of these businesses. And we've seen, I believe it's about five venues close already in Austin, uh, which is, you know, really hard, really difficult to, to watch. I mean, it's so tough for those of us in the music industry who have counted on South by Southwest, not only as a great fun musical festival type of experience, but for all the business we do. And as a result of going there year after year, we kind of all know the Austin music venues and scene better than any other town of that size. Um, I mean, what, what, what venues are closing? Uh, well, we just had one close announced closure a couple of days ago in the North door, but one of the ones that was first to close and probably most notable is uh, Barracuda on seventh street. So about, maybe a month in they shut down and you know they're very well known during south by southwest because they have one of the last big bashes and so it's usually a final gathering spot for a lot of people before heading out of town for south by southwest or just heading to get some rest so that one was a, a real tough one to watch ah oh, so painful really man 
Well, I don't want to downplay all of that, um, but since music tectonics really is about innovation, and I know out of hardship comes a lot of innovation, you mentioned some of the stuff that you're starting to see in that. Tell us about some of the interesting models and story you see emerging in live music as people respond to uh, the shutdowns of, of live music and the pandemic and so forth. Yeah, there was already um, some hope for live stream to kick off this year. And I think after the initial shock of South by Southwest and pandemics closing the venues, there was a real sort of race to get on a live streaming platform. We actually had a, a client create a live streaming platform as well. And that's been the, the biggest one that I've seen just take off. Uh, some of the other things that people have done that have been very interesting to watch are drive-in shows. Hmm. Um, at first, it started out with a small drive-in, you know, radio FM shows. And now I have a, there's a client that we work with who's become a really good friend that's doing drive-in movies, drive-in shows, drive-in rodeos, uh, drive-in church, just about everything drive-in. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So uh, is that, that's, I guess that's working for them if they're, if they're pivoting and not only doing music, but these other forms of uh, entertainment and, and gatherings. Yeah, so it actually it's a Blue Pig Presents in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and they, you know, the guy who runs it uh, immediately went to become a truck driver while he figured out what he was going to do, and the drive-in shows were successful enough that he stopped being a truck driver, and he's got a drive-in show just about every day, whether it's a, a concert or a drive-in event. Was he already doing rodeos, or is that new? No, they actually came to him as part of a, a festival in Cheyenne since he was having such success with it. Um, and he's, you know, getting people from all over that are coming for these drive-in events. I mean, it's interesting to think about, you know, Wyoming as a, as a source of innovation. It's not the way that people have thought about uh, any of the music scene before. And in, in the live music side, just being able to have space and be outdoors for something like a drive-in, which takes up a lot more space, um, is kind of an interesting pivot that could last beyond 2020, 2021, and, and so forth. So, um, yeah, it's like all these things are changing how we think about uh, performance and, and, and gatherings and, and so forth. So that, that's a, that's a really intriguing model. I mean, it's, to me, it's as interesting as putting on a VR headset and doing a concert in, um, you know, in a, in a video gaming world or, or something like that. So, yeah. um, it's re really interesting to hear about. Okay. So let's back it up now. What is prison.fm? So prison.fm is a software that helps venues talent buyers, promoters, uh, manage their calendar for all of their events and their ticketed shows, but also build offers that they're sending to agents, manage those offers. And then once a show is live, it actually helps the whole team manage that live show from how many tickets have sold to what our expenses are, and then settle the show. Uh, a little you know, lesser known fun fact about live shows is that they all have a financial settlement at the end of the night. And there are two, one happens with the artist, one happens with the business. Uh, one happens with the artist, one happens with the business. So the one, one with the business is between the promoter and the agent. And then there's the agent and the artist, or what do you mean there? Yeah. So the, the settlement that happens, uh, first is the one with the, I'll call it the agent representative, the artist representative it could be the agent. It could be a tour manager, but they are settling on the agreed upon expenses and the revenue that comes in. And then you have the second settlement that happens with the business where they have to 
actually go in and settle the show. So they might have, you know, projected a certain expense at a certain amount, and that's what they're going to settle the show at with the artist. But that expense could have been a little bit higher. And, you know, there, it's a game of margins to really try and make sure that you're managing a business effectively. And our software is really helping these people keep track of all of that so that they're not swimming in Excel docs. Gotcha. So they're, they're settling with the agent. And then once that's done, there's the, the venue is then also settling with the artist. They're settling internally. And so that's usually, yeah, it's usually to make sure that your actuals, um, are, you know, where they are, uh, you've paid out the bartenders, you've paid out security and, uh, the door staff and the box office. Um, and then you've paid all your advertising, you know, everything that needs to come in uh, because it doesn't always settle cleanly the day of the show. I mean, you still have to figure out how much the bar made and you have to figure out, uh, you know, when the last person is there tearing down, what, what, what is their wage? Um, so there's a lot of moving parts that go on the live show. Gotcha. So, so prism allows, allows the, 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 the promoter or the venue or both to, to kind of handle both sides of that settlement process so that they're not only making sure they're good with the talent representative, but they're also making good on their budget. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Got it. Got it. So who are your primary users and how do they use your platform? Are we talking venues and promoters are primary users? Yeah. So we've got uh, venues, promoters, um, talent buyers are the ones who are negotiating the the deal with the artist through an agent or a manager. Mm-hmm. And once a show is confirmed and it's going to happen, then just about everyone who works at a venue is using Prism. So the production managers are, are managing things in their box office managers, GMs, um, everyone at a venue is using it. So are you talking like even stage plots and, and, and lighting guys and stuff are using it? Yeah, because a lot of those things that they might create somewhere else, uh, so they might create a stage plot somewhere, but they need to share that with a team. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things get lost in email, but our software actually has... Um, you can sort of think of it as a unique folder for every event that's going on. And you might be juggling, you know, 10 to 20 events in different phases on any given day. And so the way it works with Prism is if you're looking for the stage plot for that Drew Holcomb show, you just pull up the Drew Holcomb show inside of Prism and it has a file folder there where everything associated to that show lives there. Right. So you kind of almost have a master record of all the assets and communications in one place. Correct. Yeah. Got it. Um, so how were promoters and venues managing their shows shows before Prism came along? Yeah. So it's really interesting because uh, music and tech, you know, have, have always had this dance and you're really on the, the forefront of that as far as, uh, you know, what you're doing with music tectonics and um, everything else you've done. But the back end of live music has stayed relatively primitive outside of ticketing software. Mm -hmm. Um, So before Prism, it was Excel docs, Word docs, um, massive amount of emails going back and forth to try and keep everything inside of an email chain for referencing. And we have a lot of clients that were losing, literally losing sleep because they would, you know, worry about a show that was supposed to announce that never announced or, um, you know, a, an advance that was never sent out or a contract that was never sent out. And so uh, we, we took all of that work that was done on Excel 
maybe Google Docs if you got that far and started to put it all into Prism and have it all be automated and generated in one place. Gotcha. So how did Prism come into being? What's the origin story? So our co-founders, um, our CEO and co-founder, Matt Ford, was a promoter and he has an entrepreneur background and he was actually working in these Excel docs to, to build offers and settle some shows. And he just thought to himself, there's got to be a, a better way to do this. And there wasn't. There was no software that would help him manage his calendar and build offers to settle these shows. So he came up with the idea, uh, started working on it, and then started working with a venue here in Austin where the owner was thinking of doing the same thing because he had three stages. He was putting shows on regularly. His staff was growing. Uh, the number of shows he was doing was growing and things were falling through the cracks just because it's hard to stay on top of it. So the two of them uh, started building Prism and after about a couple of years of really working on it within these small venues in Austin, uh, word just started to spread. Then we had the the Hi-Fi in Indy it was one of our early clients and they started using it. And from there, you know, word of mouth sort of outpaced our marketing efforts. Gotcha. Gotcha. And how's traction? It's been great. I think the biggest thing that people ask us is, does it really work? Um, because there have been other softwares that have just tried to tackle even the calendar part of booking a show, uh, which has its own intricacies and, and complexities to it. Uh, but they've all failed. And a lot of it had just had to do because they were tied to a specific ticketing company. Mm -hmm. uh, Prism is unique in that we're ticketing agnostic. You don't care what ticketing company you use. We actually try and integrate with ticketing companies. Mm -hmm. so that you don't have to pull a ticketing report and then enter information into Prism. Uh, all of your revenue flows in and it's put up against your expenses and it's all in one place. Got it. So tell me about some specific companies that use Prism. You mentioned a couple and, and how they're using it. Yeah, um, the, the two sides of the coin sort of of what our clients look like. You have venues, which um, I'll use the Hi-Fi in Indianapolis as a, a great example of uh, not just a venue client, but a venue client that has pivoted during the pandemic. Uh, they've taken a storage container and uh, put it in a parking lot to call it the annex stage. And so the, the Hi-Fi is, you know, doing live shows outdoors out of a storage container. Wow. Uh, very, very interesting. But, you know, for a venue, they have promoters and agents who are coming to them and asking for holds. Essentially, an artist is potentially going to come to town and they want to know if there's a date available. There might be three to five or more requests for a specific date and a venue has to rank those in order that they come in. So you might have hold two, hold three, hold four. Um, and so what happens is juggling that on a calendar gets difficult. Our software helps you keep track of that. Hmm. And then when a show confirms you have uh, automated messaging that goes to your staff that lets them know there's a show on this date. And because our software has different levels of permissions, the marketing manager can go in, look at the ticketing build without anyone exposing the sensitive artist details. And so they go and start working on the ticketing build. The production manager can see what the room setup was agreed to, and they can start putting together a budget and a staff and a plan for the show. So a venue gets to have everything going in one place. 
for a promoter, we have a, a promoter that I actually need to introduce you to, but uh, Ad Hoc Presents, and they're mainly out of Brooklyn, but Rick from Ad Hoc is putting on shows all over the country. And so you can imagine a promoter doesn't have a, a venue in most cases that they own or manage. They're putting on shows at multiple different venues. In some cases, they've got multiple shows going on in the same night. And so they need a way to have their staff who's in Detroit or North Carolina uh, or Florida or in Brooklyn to have the same process to know what's going on everywhere. And Prism helps them keep track of that all in one place. Got you. So basically the promoter account is kind of like a multi-venue account in a way in Prism. Yeah. Got it. Do festivals use it as well? We have uh, some of those clients specifically actually will do some micro festivals. Um, mm -hmm. You can bend it to do festivals, but you know a complete festival platform would allow you to do staffing and keep track of vendors. Um, Prism is really sort of tailored to the, the event at a venue with one or two stages. So it can be used for festivals, but uh, it's a little bit tricky to really optimize it for festivals right yeah. now. Maybe that's down the road. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what are some of the killer features that that your users, your promoters and venues uh, really talk about that, that make a big difference for them? So yeah, one of the biggest things that people jump at right away, uh, it sounds sort of simple, but it's the calendar feature. Um, <laughs> you know, as I mentioned, if you think about your Google calendar, and you're putting an event on the Google Calendar that's going to happen at 7 p.m., you might have five events that are going to happen at 7 p.m. just today because you have different hold levels. And the way it works in the live music space is hold three might drop out, so you're going to bump up hold four. Uh, or hold four might want to confirm and they want to go in a contract with the artist, but you need to let the holds above them know and that there's a, a challenge to confirm that date. So all of this is a very burdensome email process that happens without Prism. Mm. And it's a, a burdensome Google Calendar process that happens uh, without Prism. And so with us, you just have it all in one simple interface that's mobile friendly. And so our clients, I mean, especially during the pandemic, have said that when they're moving shows around to December and then moving them again to summer 2021 it's just drag and drop and a simple date change in prism right. as opposed to complicated process and anywhere else right so instead of sending a bunch of emails out internally to different people to say hey this date's now moved to here this date's now moved to there can we move these folders over here whatever you just switch it within prism and everything kind of like bloop magically yep. goes to the right spot yeah. Are there other killer features that you hear folks talking about? Yeah. The the one that originally started to, when I said word of mouth outpaced our, our marketing efforts is the ability to settle a show at the end of the night. Yeah. So, you know, with Prism, once the last ticket is sold, you really can go ahead and, and process your settlement and be ready to go within minutes. So instead of trying to work through Excel docs at the end of the night when everyone's really tired, you just enter in your final revenue numbers, any expenses that might've popped up last minute, and you've got a, a clean settlement that's ready to go. So uh, a lot of promoters who work as um, 
promoter reps or tour managers really, they will travel with a band, see that the venue is using Prism and settled quickly and call us from the road and say, hey, I was just that the hi-fi uh, with this band and I come back off the road in a week, but I really want to find out what this is that they used to settle the show. That's cool. Um, is there integration with point of sale? We have integrations with ticketing companies uh, and down the road, we do hope to integrate with some uh, point of sale companies, especially because for the venue, we, we do allow them to enter in their food and beverage. And so we want to be that complete one-stop shop, but right now it's a manual entry. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so the, t the ticket integration is a, a huge portion. Let's talk a little about uh, integrations, partnerships. What's, what else is built into the system and how does that help the promoters and venues? So we, we decided early on that ticketing integrations were going to be critical. It was one of those places that, um, you know, again, most people don't know how how much work goes into just putting ticket numbers against expenses for a show. Uh, and so one of the early integrations that we kicked off was with Eventbrite. Uh, they have an open API. Our team here is a very talented team. So they just built that integration internally. And what it does is as soon as a ticket sells and it's recognized on the ticketing platform, we pull that ticket sale into Prism and it, does everything from give you the ticket count to take out the fees and, and everything else associated to it. So that promoter or that venue has the net revenue that they're making from that ticket up against their expenses. Gotcha. That, that makes sense. Um, so uh, is there a way to use Prism for live streaming? You mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast, but we haven't gotten into it at all at all. Yeah, I mean, the, the way a live stream event works is, isn't is too dissimilar from a, a live event itself as far as, you know, contracting, um, getting ready to put it on sale, and then settling that event. Uh, there are four main deal types that happen between an artist and a venue or a promoter, and it's, it's usually uh, just a flat amount that they're going to get paid. They share the risk in a door deal. So, you know, let's just say a 50-50 door deal. So every ticket sold is a 50-50 split. But then it gets a little bit more complicated with uh, what's called a versus deal or a plus deal where you've got a guarantee that the artist is going to make up against a percentage of the revenue if it gets past a certain amount. So that's where the, the complexities of, of Prism really help out. And so with live streams, uh, those same deals are happening. Um, an artist might be making a split of the ticket sales. So the promoter is going to keep track of what live streams are happening when based off of their calendar. And then they're going to track all of the financials on ticket sales and settle that show at the end of the night with the artist. Gotcha. So there's kind of an, an analogous use of Prism for, for a live stream. What are you seeing? Are you seeing a lot of companies that are able to generate revenue in the live streaming world right now? Yeah, it was a, a slower start than I expected as far as generating revenue. Um, I think a lot of artists jumped to streaming on free platforms and social media platforms. Right. And so that really cut out the, the venues and promoters a little bit. But now that everyone's thinking about how to sustain themselves on live stream, we are seeing um, some clients, you know, actually make 
some some money on live streams and the artists as well. So Chris Cobb jumps to mind out of the Exit Inn in Nashville, and they're doing a lot of live stream events. They're generating some revenue. And, you know, the great thing about live stream is you don't need as big a staff as you do for an actual event. But if you're going to have them in the venue, then you do need, you know, production managers and you do need some stage hands to help with everything. So there's still some staff that are getting paid and making money. It's not near what a live event is, but it's going to help save some rooms from closing if they can stay busy. Yeah. Have, have you guys made any adaptations within Prism for live streaming or is that coming down the pike or it's not even necessary? Uh, one of the things that we've looked at doing is integrating with some live stream companies that have popped up that do their own ticketing. Yeah. Um, you know, ticketing a live stream event has actually been one of the more complicated things through all of this because now you've got machine rights and all these other live streaming rights that most people didn't pay attention to in the past that come into play. So mm-hmm. once that's all navigated, um, people can ticket a live stream event. And it also depends on if you're going to record it and distribute it later. So Prism is, we're looking at uh, integrations in early conversations with a couple of new companies that have popped up to do their own ticketing. You know, something I haven't asked you yet that that seems relevant to live stream, but also the entire conversation is what's the business model? Is this like a, you pay a license to use Prism? Is there a cut of ticket sales? How does that work? Yeah, so we do just a subscription model. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, we've thought about doing uh, a, a cut of revenue, but there's already so much that comes off of a ticket for different things, insurance and and. ASCAP and VMI and all these other things. And so we really didn't want to um, hamstring someone who grew their business because of Prism. And so we just have a a basic subscription model that a client can choose to sign up with. Um, We're very upfront about what they get for it. And, you know, if they want more out of Prism, they can certainly upgrade or downgrade. And, you know, we, we try and be as transparent as possible with all of our clients. Got it. Cool. So you're coming out to the Music Tectonics Conference in October, which I'm excited about. We, we've run into each other at live music events before, South By and um, APAP for the performing mm-hmm. arts side of the world. Um, we've got you. Um, you and I are working together to put together a panel specifically on new concert models. We'll also have another session on live streaming. We've got Stage It on board for, for that. Um, I'm curious, what are some of the trends and topics you're looking forward to exploring at our conference? Um, and just, you know, beyond that, you know, any, any other kind of interesting things that you're seeing either in live music or in music tech and music innovation and so forth. But let's kick off with the conference. What are you hoping to explore there? Yeah, I'm really curious to see what some of the other folks adjacent to sort of the, the live performance space are doing. Um, there are a lot of producers that I, it seems are going to be there, artists, um, advertisers, sort of folks that are involved in the marketing of, of music. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I'm really curious about is what other tech is out there in the live music space. So I mentioned, you know, for our clients, um, they reference Spotify numbers and streaming numbers, but the only tech they were using before Prism was really um, Microsoft products and then their ticketing software. So mm. what's out there that can be 
repurposed at a venue or, or for a promoter or for us to work with to provide added value for our clients. And so I'm going with an open mind to see what's going on and where we can bring some of that into the fold for our clients. Very cool. Yeah. So we definitely have some interesting analytics companies. Chartmetric is going to mm-hmm. be on hand, um, which tracks a lot of both the streaming service data as well as social media platforms and PEX, which is heavily involved on the the the, the video, social video analytics, uh, the way that kind of music transfers across um, all, all the all the platforms uh, on video and also across territories around the world, which is kind of interesting. And I forgot to mention, we'll also have uh, something focused on video gaming. So we have Roblox will be there. We'll have a company called Genesis that's been on the podcast that helps build festivals in Minecraft. And that's in addition to the live streaming. We're kind of treating the video game uh, ecosystem a little bit separately there. So that's cool. I like I like the way you're thinking about it to see kind of what are the parallel universes and, and how tech's being used across the music space. Are there other topics or, or trends that you're keeping an eye out in music innovation across the board? I'm really curious. Uh, you sort of touched on it, but concerts inside of gaming. Yeah. Uh, ever since Marshmallow did the, the concert inside of Fortnite, uh, I was really curious to see how that would take off. And uh, Travis Scott, you know, did a concert in Fortnite as well. And so that's a, a avenue that I'm really interested in exploring some of the other things that I'm just curious about is where is the the VR space as it comes to live events. Um, I've attended a couple of VR concerts in the past from my living room, but that's another space that I would expect to really take off right now. Yeah. In addition to concerts in VR, you also just have, we've got this company called Tribe XR, which is for um, DJing within VR. And there's like a community of VR DJs who get to nice. watch each other DJ. And then Beat Saber, of course, um, the 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 game the VR game that uses music and, and physical movement, which was bought by uh, Facebook. They're going to be joining us at the conference too. So there's definitely some uh, I mean, it's funny. It's kind of like live streaming um, VR. Similarly, like there was this lots of excitement around the innovation. And then when it became so hard for people to kind of engage with it, it kind of seemed like it was petering out. But now with the social distancing and lockdowns and all that kind of stuff, it's got a whole new life that looks like it's building new habits for the future, regardless of what happens with the, you know, with the, with COVID-19. So that's definitely an interesting one as well. Well, this has been super fun, Juan. I, I love being able to talk about kind of the business side of live music, which you guys are so tapped into, but also since you have this network of, um, of, of venues and promoters, you kind of have this interesting perspective on, on what's been happening right now. So that, that's been super cool. And the fact that you kind of have a kind of a tech innovation mindset on how to fix things or make things better in the, in the music industry. So it's been tons of fun. Do you have any final shout outs as we wrap up the episode? Um, I mean, I think the, the big shout out, uh, I have really is for, Neva and uh, the National Independent Venue Association, um, you know, at SaveOurStages.com, they've been really working hard to save this industry and beyond just lobbying efforts. Now it's a, an organization that is working to provide resources, um, education resources, training resources for an industry that was very fragmented in the past. So I think that, you know, the work they're doing is, is great. Their president, Dana, who is uh, from First Ave in Minneapolis, very historic venue, 
um, is really doing a great job sort of getting them going in the right direction. Awesome. And, and if you go to saveourstages.com, they have a really easy way for you to tell legislators how to support through through the bill that's trying to they're trying to push through um, the Restart Act, the Save Our Stages Act. Um, uh, to save independent music venues. That's, that's an awesome, awesome shout out. And, and, uh, and you'll be at Music Tectonics. You guys will have uh, an exhibit booth. We've got digital exhibit booths, which means people can connect directly with you. Um, the Music Tectonics Conference will allow anyone to do one-to-one video interactions as well as stopping by your booth, seeing what you have to offer, signing up for more info and stuff like that. So uh, once, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for supporting Music Tectonics and coming out um, and being a part of it. I'm super excited to see you there. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited to be there. And uh, for anyone listening who's going to be at the conference, uh, whether you're in live music specifically or not, stop by, say hello. I will be there live the entire time. Awesome. Great. And thank you so much for listening to the Music Tectonics podcast. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcasting listening platform. And please stop by musictectonics.com. Sign up for our newsletter. We're going to be doing some cool promotions as we get closer to the conference. So you don't want to miss out on those. We've got some great events coming up inside the Music Tectonics app. If you search Music Tectonics on the uh, iOS, Apple app store, or within Google Play, the Android platform, you can join the Music Tectonics community network start start connecting with people even before the conference takes place again music tectonics is october 27th and 28th 2020 we're going online check out musictectonics.com and keep listening for more episodes you're listening to music tectonics